Hi, I'm Marie. And I'm Emily. And we're registered dietitians who love to look at the research when it comes to all things diets and supplements. With years of working with professional and collegiate athletes, we've seen it all, and we're here to set the record straight. On this podcast, we break down popular diets and supplements to let you know what's legit and what's BS. BS podcast. Today we have a listener submission episode and one that I'm kind of surprised it's taken us this long to get to because it's a very popular supplement. We are talking about collagen. Uh, we also have a BSPS today. We're going to be talking about when you look on a nutrition facts label, why sometimes people will subtract fiber from the total carbohydrate count and have that net carb be the quote unquote total carbs that they are uh, saying is in the meal. So basically why some things subtract fiber for the carbohydrate count and why some things don't. So we will get to that in the end. Uh, But before we get into this, as always, if you like our podcast, please be sure to subscribe. Leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or five-star rating on Spotify. Please send us any topic suggestions by DMing us on our Instagram at Arties underscore VS underscore BS pod or our contact page from our website, ArtiesVersusBS.com. And if you are interested in getting healthier this year, we're, what, mid-March now? So our goal is that you know, we've gotten a little bit into the new year. Maybe you didn't stick onto some habits that you thought you wanted to. That's okay. We're about teaching you how to make habits that don't feel like chores, that are just habits that you hold on to. We make it easy for you. We are both currently accepting one-on-one clients, and you can learn more by contacting us on our Instagram or under the work with us tab on our website, artiesversusbs.com. All right, Emily. So I know you have a little bit of context for this shit at the grocery store because she was on recently on another podcast, uh, which was a great episode. If you guys want to listen, I'll let you plug it, Emily. But I'm so excited to hear about your product today. Yes. Okay. It's so funny because living in America, you think you've seen it all. And then I was on a podcast with a personal trainer from the UK And his podcast is called the Callum Sully Podcast. He was talking to me about, honestly, all sorts of things that I had never heard of that would be perfect for this show. The thing that really stood out to me was Callum was telling me about how diet culture is maybe even worse in the UK than it is here. And I'm like, there's no way. And he said, get this. We've got something called Slim Paste. And you couldn't even make this stuff up. I've never seen it here or heard it here. And when I did um, some research, it seemed like it's only in the UK, but I don't know. Anyway, it's a toothpaste that says, yes, it will clean your teeth, but it also helps you lose weight. So I had to look into it. They basically say that it will support your weight loss by acting to suppress your appetite. It will also increase your metabolic action and give you better gut health. So I, I know it's almost (laughs) too good to be true. Wow. Um, It's just like every buzzword. So I got to know what are, what are these magic ingredients that are going to help me lose weight and increase my metabolic action and all of that. And the three ingredients are organic green tea 
organic cinnamon leaf essential oil, and organic ginger essential oil. Even if any of these things had been proven to help you lose weight, which they have not, but you're not even swallowing it. I was literally (laughs) just thinking that. You're not consuming this stuff. Oh, it's so dumb. It's so bad. And and the amount. What That's what also like, what I was thinking. <laughs> a pea-sized amount of toothpaste. Like, what? Just one of the worst things I've ever seen. I also don't understand why brushing your teeth now has to be connected to weight loss. Oh, it's just like one more thing. Also, I'm pretty sure on most most toothpaste... They say, like, be careful with kids. Make sure they do not swallow this. Like, you are not supposed to swallow this. So what what do they think? Like, the one minute tops that you're brushing your teeth, like, you're going to soak up enough of this stuff to have an impact. It's just, it's insane. Yeah, I'm curious if in other countries, because obviously all of our shit at the grocery stores so far have been in America, because that's where we are. But I would love to hear, like, if anyone's listening who's outside of the U.S. and you have weird things like this, like, send it to us. This is, this was an eye-opener, you know, just when you thought you'd seen it all. Slim Paste enters the chat. Hmm. I love it. Crazy. But speaking of, let's see, speaking of supplements that maybe aren't all as cracked up as people make them out to be. Nice. Good transition. Thanks. Spoilers. Collagen. <laughs> Collagen. I'm so glad we're doing this one. I when someone when a listener suggested it, I actually had to go back through all of our episodes to make sure we hadn't done one yet and we really haven't done one yet on collagen and it is about time because I was first introduced to collagen When we worked for the Cubs, Marie, Mm -hmm. and that was something that we would give out these little shots and one of them was a collagen shot. So it's just blown up since then. Yeah. So it's about time that we get in, get into it and look at the research. All right. So how we're going to do this, um, I'm going to talk through just basic collagen as a supplement and what people are taking it for, what the claims about it are, what the research says, what supplements on the market we would maybe recommend versus not. And then Emily is going to talk about a specific type of collagen supplement that has been getting some popularity here recently. And that is the Modare supplement, if you guys have ever heard of that. And then, like I said, we're going to end with our BSPS. Is Modare an MLM? Yeah, it is. I'm literally going to Google. It is, because, and I feel bad. Okay, that's what I thought. Because I heard about it from one of the uh, Cubs, like, wives from when I was with the Iowa Cubs. And she, like, kind of tried to sell it to me. And I'm like, (laughs) oh, God, this has got to be an MLM. And now we're about to tear it apart. But anyway. Spoilers. Just kidding. Okay. (laughs) So starting off, what even is collagen? Because, again, I think this is one of those supplements or words that people throw around and they don't even know what it is. So... Collagen is a type of protein, and it's used to make connective tissue. The collagen will connect stuff like bones, skin, muscles, tendons, cartilage. And it's also what's responsible for stretching. So if you have, you know, adequate 
adequate collagen in your connective tissues or in your skin, stuff like that. The idea basically being that it's more elastic and less likely to tear or get injured. Basically, the reason why me and Emily would use it in the baseball world would be because, especially if you think about the pitchers, we were trying to basically protect some of those connective tissues in people's elbows and shoulders. I should give a quick caveat that a lot of stuff we're going to be talking about today is about skin. And obviously, we are not dermatologists. We're not estheticians. We do know how to read literature. So I did the best that I could to understand sort of what the bulk of the evidence is from a call oral collagen supplementation standpoint in terms of skin. But of course, if you do live in that world and you feel like we need to make some corrections, please let us know. Collagen is not something that you have to supplement. It is something that you can find in foods. Um, So basically, a good rule of thumb is that if it's a flesh, which is a gross word to use, but if it's an animal product flesh, then it's going to have some collagen. So we're talking about like meat and fish and stuff like that. Um, Not so much in stuff like dairy or more like animal byproduct type stuff. All right. So what are the claims around collagen? I think it's best known claims are the following three, that it will improve your skin, that it will help your connective tissue, uh, potentially help with joint pain, stuff like that, and that it is a superior recovery protein. So basically, you'll feel less sore. You will synthesize your muscles better if you use it as a protein source. Okay, so starting on skin. So I guess I just kind of like a good summary of all of this research is like, underwhelming. There's a lot of research on collagen out there. And I read a lot of research and it was all just really underwhelming. And there were some moments that I had that I was like, oh, wow, that's really promising. And then I thought about it for a second and I realized I had fallen into a common trap of people just, you know, looking over literature, not super critically, and realized that the results that were being spit out actually didn't really mean a whole lot. Oh, it's so true. Being able to look at it with that critical lens, like it's literally what we do and what we've done for 70 plus episodes. And I still also get like roped in sometimes, right? It it takes a minute to take a step back and be like, all right, what is it we're looking at? All right. So I found some randomized control trials specific to skin and aging and collagen supplementation. So uh, when people were supplementing with collagen tripeptide, and they took in three grams per day for four to 12 weeks. There was an improvement in skin elasticity and hydration. Interestingly, this one wasn't looking at a supplementation necessarily, but we did. I did find a piece of literature that showed that your skin looks more aged when it has less collagen dipeptide content in it. And this reminded me a lot of our creatine episode and how we would find that people that had aging brains had less creatine content in their brain. But then it was this question of, okay, well, but will supplementation help? It seems like maybe, but we're not 100% sure. And the evidence with the collagen is not even as good as the evidence that we have on creatine. Basically, what I take away from this, there was another randomized control trial. It says, It was, and this is one that I was like, oh, I'm getting really excited. It says it significantly increases skin hydration with 10 grams of collagen peptide supplementation a day. I'm like, man, I should start taking this stuff. And then I think about it for a second. Every single one of these that had a measurable 
outcome that they were testing that wasn't just perception. We're testing hydration, like skin hydration. And I was like, does having more hydrated skin mean that you're fixing anything in terms of long-term damage? Because I'm thinking, okay, well, maybe like adding a supplement of collagen is going to basically hold on to more water, which is going to hold on to more water in your skin cells and then give a look of youthfulness because it's more hydrated. But then it's like, well, what happens when you get dehydrated or you stop taking the supplement? Like for me, it just seems like not an actual fix to a problem that people are trying to fix with the, with the collagen, which is structural change, right? That's really interesting. So it makes me wonder what could they measure that would measure like the more long-term changes or like structural changes. And I guess that's not really our thing either, right? Like that's not a dietitian thing. That is a dermatologist thing, but I'm just curious. Well, it's interesting you say that because we're about to get to the joint health thing. And I feel like we have similar issues with the literature there as we're going off of perception. We're not going off of actual tissue biopsies and did we actually strengthen the tendons and ligaments. Real quick, I just wanted to touch on topical collagen because like throwing collagen into products for skincare is super popular now. Overwhelmingly, what I read is that collagen, the protein is way too big to get past the epidermis to actually have any kind of impact. So I read a bunch of stuff from reviews from dermatologists and like 99.999 seem to agree. It's just a gimmicky thing to put on your face. It's not actually penetrating the top layer of your skin. It's not doing anything. Mm. Also good to know, because yes, I've seen that everywhere and People always laugh at me because I am like the worst when it comes to skincare. I'm still using like Oxy. And I know probably half the people listening are like cringing at that. But yeah, I I see it everywhere. And I kind of wonder like, hmm, would collagen in skin products be good? So you're saying no, don't waste your time with that. Yeah, my skin routine is worse. I don't have one. (laughs) (laughs) You don't wash your face with anything. Water? I mean, when I shower, (laughs) I have like a, like a face, I have like the CeraVe, I think is what I use. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't use it every night. Like I don't even love it. Wear makeup to work most days. So it's not like I have a bunch of makeup to take off. So, but like, even when I do go out on the weekends, like I don't take my makeup off. It is what it is. That's hilarious. You remind me of those like Instagram memes where they'll be like women who spend $500 a month on skincare and it, their like face is all gross. And then it's like men when they wash their face with a bar of soap, oh, yeah. they're like glowing. <laughs> That's you. That's so funny. Uh, uh, but we digress. Anyways. Yes. Yeah. So, okay. Good transition into the joint health because <laughs> everything that I was finding about joint health I realized that everything in humans was based off of these pain index scales. Let's see. I found a a big meta-analysis about supplementation in people with joint pain, and they use what's called a WOMAC index. What the WOMAC index is testing for is pain. So that's pain during walking, using the stairs, in bed, sitting, relying, or standing upright. Stiffness, which is at first walking and later in the day. 
and then uh, physical function. And this is, uh, it's 17 different things that they test, but it's basically like, they call them, quote, light domestic items. So like your your actions of day-to-day living, brushing your teeth with your slim fast or whatever toothpaste. <laughs> yes, nice. So basically that's what that Womax scale is testing for. And I found this being used in a lot of different studies. Yes, it does seem that collagen supplementation, yes, it significantly reduces pain levels, but it's also perceived pain levels. Like they're not actually testing pain when they're using this Womack index. They are testing perceived pain. Do you feel like you are in more or less pain since, or more or less stiffness? And then actually when you separate the pain versus the stiffness versus the physical function, part of the test, part of the Womack index it actually is only statistically significant in the stiffness category and the pain and physical function don't change. So Mm -hmm. what that's saying is that of all the studies that we've really looked at using this specific index, it really only seems to statistically help with stiffness versus 23 other things that they test, which is pain and physical function, which I would argue are more important than your perceived stiffness in terms of like day-to-day life and comfortability. And like I said, it's also just perceived. And even though it was statistically improved, what what does that mean? Like, is it actually that much of a benefit day to day, right? Mm-hmm. So it really wasn't like super duper impressive from that standpoint. I did find a randomized control study that shows that it decreased joint pain in active individuals, but this was paired, the supplementation was paired with resistance training. So I'm like... Uh. Yes, we know that moving your body and adding resistance training to your day-to-day, once you get over that initial soreness that's going to happen of, like, starting weight training for the first time, you're going to feel better. Like, you're going to feel better if you move your body. Mm -hmm. So that was, like, super unimpressive. I was like, okay, like, can we really say that that was the collagen? I feel like that was more that you added resistance training to your day. There's a meta-analysis that looked at 12 studies within athletes, And basically, it showed that collagen supplementation of 15 grams a day is most beneficial in improving joint functionality and reducing joint pain. But again, what are we using to measure specifically the joint pain? Probably some sort of pain scale, which again is going to be subjective. So that's all that I found in humans. Oh, no. And let me tell you, let me tell you, if you're a Petri dish of human skin cells or connective tissue and we just throw collagen on you, you do great. You thrive. You thrive under collagen treatment. But we're not. We're not Petri dishes. And that's the problem with these collagen supplements is we don't know. It's it's a protein. It's going to get broken down. Now, we'll talk a little bit about the different types. Yes, there are types that we recommend because it's more likely to get through the digestive tract without getting completely broken down. But either way, like the chances of it getting to where you need it to go to be utilized as collagen, because your body makes its own collagen. That's the thing is if you're eating adequate protein, your body has the ability to make collagen whenever it needs. So 
you know, what are the chances that, oh, my elbow's a little sore. I'm going to supplement some collagen, that that collagen is going to just go straight to your elbow that's having soreness. I mean, that's not how it works. You know, it goes through the whole digestive system. It gets absorbed. It goes to your liver. And more likely than not, it's just going to get broken down into the amino acids and built back up into whatever protein your body needs to make in that moment. Oh, so why does almost every collegiate and professional athlete dietitian recommend collagen. And I'll tell you what, Emily, when people are re when our people are like coming off a of surgery, especially if it's a connective tissue surgery, I still do recommend it. Why? Honestly, the biggest thing is there's no risk. Like this is a low sure. risk supplement. Yes, mm-hmm. it is technically a supplement. So you're always going to have a baseline amount of risk with that. But if you're getting a third party tested quality product, there's, it's basically just a type of protein. So mm-hmm. it's no different than the risk of you eating a whey protein powder or something like that. And there's a little bit of evidence that the collagen peptides actually stay intact as collagen peptides. And then my thought process is, okay, if you take that like an hour before you're rehabbing an injury and then blood is going to that injury and you have collagen peptides in your blood being directed towards that injury, maybe, you know, it's, it's more Mm -hmm. of like a hedge your bet sort of situation. Yeah. And there is a lot of anecdotal evidence that it helps with joint pain. I had a lot of baseball players tell me that when they started taking collagen every day, they felt a significant decrease in their soreness after their pitching day. So, you know, it's, it's one of those, it's real. If you have the means to buy it, it's really low risk as long as you're getting a high quality one. And you know what? If you've convinced yourself it helps and you're a professional player, take it. You know, who gives a shit if it's placebo at that point? You think you feel better? Great. And at the end of the day, if it absolutely does nothing besides be a protein, you're getting more protein. So right. I get it. Yeah. So yeah. And I think, you know, I, I do think that as sports dietitians, we try to be on the cutting edge with stuff. And there was a lot of data that came out right when I was getting out of Ohio State. I remember getting really excited about this study, and it was one that was getting circulated. And it was a Petri dish dish study. And I remember, do you remember Dr. Buell? Oh, yeah. I remember she was like, Marie, but this isn't a Petri dish. I was like, yeah, but like, you do collagen and vitamin C and look at the connective tissue. She was like, well, yeah, but the Petri dish doesn't have a digestive tract. And I was like, oh, (laughs) man. (laughs) Oh, I love Dr. Buell. Yeah. Snapped me right back down to reality. But I think a lot of those types of pieces of literature were going around. And again, if you're working in the NFL or something like that, where you have a very high risk of soft tissue injury, connective tissue injury, you have relatively unlimited funds and there's a very low risk to taking collagen. Why not? Okay. But it is good to revisit this I mean, I'm sure I looked at this research at some point in the past, but it's been a long time. So yeah, it is good to know, like, this is, this is what we're working with. I hope it keeps growing. I mean, it's very popular. So I hope people keep studying collagen and keep finding good stuff. But yeah, it's very interesting. All right. So this last piece is pretty conclusive. So this is, is collagen a better recovery protein source? Basically, no. So we've talked about in the past, if you want a much bigger deep dive, you can go check out our protein episode. I think it was like somewhere in the 40s. 
yes, collagen is a type of protein, but collagen is not a complete protein. So when you compare complete proteins, so a whey protein, for example, versus collagen supplementation, we find that very clearly the complete protein supplement is a far superior protein for driving muscle synthesis and for recovery and reducing soreness. So that one's pretty cut and dry. So if anybody tries to tell you that collagen is better for like post-workout or something like that, they're full of shit. They don't know what they're talking about. (laughs) Refer them to this episode. (laughs) Love it. It's so great to have a conclusive part of an episode, right? But it's like, it doesn't work. (laughs) It doesn't work. And we know it doesn't work. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I feel like I'm just like bashing, bashing poor collagen. It did nothing wrong. (laughs) Poor collagen. Before we get into Emily's MLM. Emily, this is the first time you've taken the lead on an MLM. I'm so excited. I know, and I have <laughs> I didn't even look into any part of it being an MLM, but that's okay. I think we've driven that point to the ground. I think everyone understands at this point. Yes. Yes. <laughs> All right. So if you do still want to get a collagen supplement, there is definitely versions of it that are good and versions of it that are total BS and totally a waste of your money. So not BS. We're going to start with not BS. Finding a collagen peptide and supplementing 10 to 15 grams a day. If it's a good quality product, the scoop itself should just be 10 to 15 grams. That should be what the serving size is. And then, like we said, of course, we would want to make sure that it's third-party tested. So NSF's safe for sport, informed choice, WADA, All right, but what we can absolutely guarantee you are a total waste of your money and are totally BS are, here are probably the most two common things that I see that are stupid. One, collagen gummies. Gummies! Have we come across a gummy we like? No. Multivitamin gummies are fine. Multivitamin, thumbs up. All other gummies, thumbs down. (laughs) My God, do you remember like the apple cider vinegar gummies that had like Yes. So little. It's the same the same issue here. So if you look at the supplement facts for most of the gummies, they you're looking at at most 2.5 grams of collagen per two gummies. Remember how I said oh. earlier you need to find 10 to 15 grams a day and some literature was showing even up to 20 grams a day? That 2.5 grams per two gummies ain't going to do shit for you. So the collagen's already, we're not sure if it's doing anything. This 2.5 grams is definitely not doing anything. It's a lot of gummies to get you to 20 grams. You would have to eat like pretty much the whole thing, which we wouldn't recommend. Okay. Next thing and make people a little bit sad. Collagen coffee creamers. I used to love this stuff. The vital proteins. Because we got free samples of them. Yeah. They were pushing it so hard. We love the company Vital Proteins for their collagen peptides, but they've got some gimmicky products. But it's because it sells. I don't blame them. It's it's a company. So the problem with collagen coffee creamers is you're putting it in coffee, which is hot and acidic. And so basically, if you let collagen, which is a protein, sit in something hot and acidic for long enough, it's going to degrade. So what we're already not 100% sure is getting into your system as collagen peptides is much less of a chance getting into your system as collagen peptides when you put it in something hot and you put it in something acidic. So, yeah. Sad. You love it when they make products that actually contain the amount of stuff that makes a difference, you know? Well, they know, but they know the consumer doesn't know that. Doesn't know. Mm -hmm. Our listeners do. They know better. 
Oh, yeah. They just see collagen such a hot topic right now. And I've seen like food, like random ass foods that have been collagen added to it. And I'm like, hey, you know where else you can find collagen in food? Any animal based meat source. Go eat fish. You'll be getting collagen. I used to get the Cubs guys to eat like the pieces of chicken that had all the grizzle on it because they'd always leave that for last. They'd be like, oh, that's all that's left is, you know, ones with the tendons. And I'm like, that's collagen. And some of them would be super into it. Yeah, that's where it's coming from. You know, it's not, you know, it doesn't come out of the ground as a powder. Like it's coming from these (laughs) animals. So, yeah. Yeah. No, so good. Okay, so I, I, I'm i not going to get, like, too crazy into Modare, but first off, Marie, thank you for that deep dive into collagen. I, I needed that as well. And it really gives light to this supplement that we're now going to talk about. So there is this Modare collagen. Basically, Modare claims that they have this new proprietary way of breaking down collagen to make it even more absorbable in the body. They call it this liquid biocell. But my number one problem with this stuff is that it is all proprietary. And we've talked about proprietary blends with supplements in the past. But for anyone who hasn't heard us talk about that, that's basically a way for a company to get around telling people how much of certain ingredients are actually in a supplement. There's just very little transparency with this product, with this company, which I don't love. But basically, Modare sells a bunch of different types of collagen supplements. Like I said, it's all liquid. You take it with a spoon and there's like a sport one, an athlete one, and there's pure, which has like zero carbs, zero calories, all of that. So there's there's different types. And the Claims are similar to, you know, any other collagen. It's joint mobility, joint discomfort, healthy cartilage, and then the skin ones. The skin hydration reduces appearance of deep wrinkles and lines, promotes healthy hair, nails, gums, eyes. And on the website, every single one of these has an asterisk next to it. And you go to the bottom and it's your classic line of, These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. These products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. So that's how they get around this, right? They also claim that they have all of this research that's been done specifically on their collagen and that it's been proven to be helpful. Yeah, liquid, this liquid biocell collagen has been studied, but you look at what they're studying and it's not very exciting. So there's all of these little charts on their website saying clinically proven results, liquid biocell increased hyaluronic acid levels, which is something that is found in this supplement that supposedly helps with the skin hydration, right? So it says you take this stuff, your hyaluronic acid levels in your blood goes up. But my question is, who cares what level of hyaluronic acid you have in your blood if we can't even prove that having it in your blood actually does anything? But I don't care how much of it is it, of anything is in my blood if it's not having an actual effect on my body. So that was one thing. And then the other thing that they studied was that liquid biocell reduced skin dryness without the use of a topical moisturizer. 
again, this obsession with the hydration. It's really interesting that that is what all of this collagen research just grabs onto. Just one last piece about their research, how they say we've done all this research on our product and it's out there. One of the questions on the website, there's always that like Q&A section. And one of the questions is, have any studies on liquid biocell been published in medical journals? And these are the, these are the research studies that we care about. Because when it's published in a medical journal, it means it's been peer-reviewed. So people outside of the people actually doing the research have looked at it and have kind of given it the check like, yeah, this is a well-designed study. We're going to publish it in our medical journal. This is where the proprietary stuff comes in because this is the answer. This is Modere's answer to that question. They say, although selected studies on our ingredient have been published in peer-reviewed journals, Modere opts to strictly limit the publication of studies on liquid biocell in scientific journals in order to protect proprietary data. Basically, the answer is no. Like, they don't really publish their liquid biocell research studies in reputable medical journals. You know who we should definitely not trust is the scientists sitting on their medical boards who (laughs) directly profit from Modere selling. Yeah, exactly. Because that's their next line in this. They're trying to make it better. Like, no, we don't publish in any scientific journals. And I'll, I'll read this word for word. However, the physicians who sit on the Modere Scientific Advisory Board have had many years of experience using liquid biocell successfully with their patients. Oh, okay, good, good. So we can trust these people who are directly benefiting financially from the selling of Modere because they they say that it's successfully used with their parent their patients. Good. Now I feel a lot more comfortable. Yes. So that's case kind closed. Of a bummer. Case closed. So basically this stuff, like I said, it's a liquid supplement. You're supposed to take two tablespoons per day. So one bottle is going to last you 15 days. This stuff costs $82.99 for crazy. Fif- 15 days. Who's like, who's good at quick math? How much? That's one, two, three, four. It's almost $6 a day. Yeah. For for 2 tablespoons of it's this like stuff. It's like 160 a month. Uh-huh. Yeah. So it better have at least 10 to 15 grams of collagen, right? No. Yikes. At at most per tablespoon, at absolute most, it has 3.8 and it and I can tell you right now it doesn't even have that much, but This is where it gets super sketchy because it says supplement facts, proprietary sport blend, 3.8 grams, and the collagen is listed underneath that. This proprietary blend, I'm not even going to count, but it has at least 20 ingredients in it. And all of those added together equal 3.8 grams. And one of those things is collagen. So it's just, it's nowhere near enough. And Hey, you could save that up over a year and you can buy yourself like the nicest bed in the world, right? <laughs> and get get some good sleep out of it. Exactly. Um, yeah. You're going to get yeah. more anti-aging from a good night's sleep than from this stuff, if we're being honest. Yeah. So, yeah. So that is collagen. What are your thoughts in general, Marie, on the BS stamp with 
collagen. Okay, Modere, I'm, I'm giving it the BS stamp because MLM and also the research isn't there yet. And also, like, you are very generous by saying at the most it has 3.8 grams. I'm going to say it has probably less than one gram. You're right. And they don't have to tell us. Yeah. They legally totally. don't have to tell us. It's ridiculous. I don't know where I stand on the BS stamp for just collagen peptides, 10 grams, third-party tested. I, I don't want to say it's total BS. Like, we know that the function of collagen in our body is very important for the things that we talked about today. I think the effectiveness of the collagen supplement is overhyped. Yeah. Does that mean it doesn't work? Or for some people, it won't work? Or for some people, it won't reduce joint pain? No. But understand to manage your expectations if you do decide to take something like that. Well said. Totally agree. I I wouldn't give it the BS stamp, but, you know, it's not a miracle supplement. So, yeah, that is collagen. But we've got more for you guys. We've got a BSPS. It's been a while. Like Marie said earlier, the BSPS today is about fiber and tracking carbs. So we've talked about it a lot on our shit at the grocery store. There are a lot of different products out there that you look at the nutrition facts label and it says there's 20 grams of carbs, but then you look at the front of the package and it says, oh, there's only five grams of net carbs in per serving. So what's, what's going on? And we've explained in the past how they will subtract fiber and sugar alcohols from a total carb number to get net carbs. But I don't know if we've ever really gone into details of why. So the first thing that comes to mind when you think of tracking carbs and having to really be careful about that is people with diabetes. And that is true. You know, the carb amount that you intake is directly correlated to your blood glucose. And you don't want blood glucose to be too high if you have diabetes because you don't have the insulin to get rid of it or your body's insulin resistant. If you go to the ADA, the American Diabetes Association website and look up net carbs, they say the term net carbs does not have a legal definition and it's not used by the Food and Drug Administration or recognized by the American Diabetes Association. The idea with subtracting fiber and sugar alcohols from the total carb amount is that in theory, fiber and sugar alcohols are not digested, isn't digested. So therefore it shouldn't have any impact on our blood glucose. But unfortunately, this isn't necessarily true, especially with sugar alcohols. Some of it is digested and there are some calories in it and there are some carbs in it. So the blood glucose does respond. So they do say like, if you have diabetes, you are not supposed to use net carbs in order to count your total carbs. So you wouldn't subtract fiber and sugar alcohol from total carbs. You just do the total carbs. Now, another time where this is super popular is people on a keto diet. So almost every keto thing we've looked at, like keto frosting and keto cake, (laughs) whatever, they say the net carbs, and they're typically fairly low. Now, in this case, at least we're not messing with someone's like 
with a disease, right? With someone's blood sugar. And if you count the wrong amount of carbs, it could be really detrimental. Like if you're on the keto diet and you eat too many carbs, like the worst thing that's going to happen is you go out of ketosis. Like I don't really care. But if you are, if you are a person with diabetes and your blood sugar is out of control, like I do care. So all of that to say, the reason that people do subtract fiber is because theoretically you don't get calories from it. So yeah, with the keto diet, go ahead, do what you want, count net <laughs> carbs. It allows you to eat ridiculous foods that are quote unquote keto while still staying in ketosis apparently. But yeah, that's that's the thought process behind that. Marie, do you have anything else? I have a personal take on it and Uh then we can wrap it up. So I think that it is almost always used in the context of don't worry, this product is actually low carbohydrate. Because right now we know there's a war on carbs going on right now and saying like, oh, this has 20 grams of carbs, but only 10 grams of net carbs. You know, it's just reinforcing every time you're thinking to yourself, oh, well, I get to subtract some of that because I'm not actually, you know, I'm not actually absorbing that. I'm not actually getting calories from that. So I can subtract it. It's no different than that story that you told me, Emily, about that girl who was like, oh, well, you know, when you weigh yourself, your head weighs 10 pounds. So if you just, you can just subtract 10 pounds every time you weigh yourself. It's like it, it, for most people, they are using it in a way that just reinforces this idea that carbs are bad. Mm-hmm. Yes. There's obviously nothing wrong with a high-fiber food. We recommend high-fiber foods. But I think that also takes away from the understanding of the complexity of the different types of carbohydrates and what they're providing. And just accept the carbohydrate content for what it is. If I really thought that quote-unquote net carbs were being used from a health and educational perspective of, hey, this will help you seek out higher-fiber foods then I'm like, I would be more for it. But since I almost always see it in the context of a diet product trying to sell you that there's not so many evil carbs in here that you thought that there were, I just, I'm not a fan of it. I agree. And I would rather us, instead of like subtracting and trying to get, oh, less of this, this and that, let's look at it as how can I eat more high fiber foods? Because almost everyone could benefit from that. Like fiber is great for us. So I liked your point, Marie, about let's maybe, you know, stop having such a negative spin on these things. Say, oh, carbs are bad. So we're trying to have as few net carbs as possible. This It's just like complicating things, you know, it's just take the foods for, for what they are. And also, and also, sorry. I love it. I'm, Go on, ahead. A, I'm on a rant. So we know that there is a certain percentage, like there's a certain margin of error that's on every nutrition facts label because we're not going to put every single piece of food into a bomb calorimeter and figure out exactly how many calories it gives off. So we basically just have a data bank of what the quote unquote standard of each one of these different foods. And then we make estimations based off of that. So, I mean, nutrition facts labels can have sometimes somewhat significant margins of error on them of the caloric amount anyways. So if you're literally going to sit there and nitpick and be like, oh, well, this has eight grams of carbs, but there's four grams of fiber. So it's only four grams of carbs. It's like, okay, you're nitpicking over 
four grams of carbohydrates and which is 16 calories. Like you're, right. you're going to choose a product because of that, which is probably not even 100% accurate to what's actually in that anyways. Like, I, I don't know. I just feel like the amount of calories that you are, con- you're, you're telling yourself that you're not consuming is so negligible anyways. Like, why are we wasting our time with this? It's so true. And it's funny when, you know, people are like, oh, I bought the low sugar version. There's five grams less sugar. I'm like, that is 20 calories. And you burn that off walking like down <laughs> the street for one minute. Yeah. Like, I don't, it's just crazy. Yeah. It's all about the lens of which you look at this stuff. But that's also a good reminder about the nutrition facts labels are not 100% accurate. But yeah. That wraps us up. That was a good, I feel like, multi-part episode. We've got some other good episodes coming your guys' way very soon. So thank you all for being loyal listeners. We've been loving hearing from you. been getting a lot of emails lately. So keep them coming. If you have suggestions for topics or comments or questions for us, you know how to reach us. And until next time, I'm Emily. And I'm Marie. Don't let the BS get the best of you.